I realized, hey, uh, we can combine this social effort uh, with good business and create a social venture, a give back company. Uh, we always say we're not doing anything revolutionary, but we're trying to do it really well and really transparent. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Good Stories. Our location looks a little different today. It also smells much better. So we are here today with Jacob Johnson from Callion Wax Co. Hello, Jacob. Hi. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. I'm excited to uh, be on the podcast with you. That was the right answer. Good job. <laughs> um, <Check>. So <laughs> when I saw that you guys had your stu- your candle studio here uh, and our neighbor, they are about 35 minutes away from our facility in Irving, Texas. So you guys were just right here in Arlington. Um, and I love seeing fellow manufacturers. So one, I wanted to come down and see how you guys make all your candles. Uh, and if you're watching right now, we'll do a little b-roll of how they make their candles Uh, it's a really pretty and nice process and they have this storefront that smells so amazing I'm going to take candles home with me so I can have the Callian experience every time I podcast Um, I'm definitely in a zen moment right now Uh, (sighs) every all the listeners take a second and breathe let's do that that's a good exercise for us all and you know what can make that even better? Go buy Callion Wax candles. There we go. Let's go ahead and just get the plug in there now. <laughs> um, so, Jacob, why don't you tell the people what you do? Because you came out of the womb just wanting to sell candles, right? That's all I ever think about. It's all I've ever thought about is candles since a young age. <laughs> uh, no, it is a little bit different route um, to candles and to Callion. Uh, it's really rooted in a social mission. Uh, So back in 2013, the issue of human trafficking really got on my radar through uh, the End It movement, which is a red X on your hand. It's an awareness campaign, a fundraising campaign uh, that lets people know that human trafficking is alive and well. Uh, Slavery, it definitely still exists. People are still being bought and sold like commodities. And uh, that just did not sit well with me. Uh, people always ask, like, why are you so passionate about trafficking? And uh, I encourage them, just spend like an hour doing some basic research into the issue, uh, into the, the, and you'll find just the atrocity um, of human beings being bought and sold. It shouldn't sit well with anybody. And I'm, a, I'm under the uh, premise that all of us can agree that human trafficking shouldn't exist. Now, we want to do something about it. I desire to say, man, I've got to do something about this. Uh, But we often don't really know what to do about it. And so we've got that problem. Like, we care, but we don't really know what to do. It's a really dark and hidden world. Uh, And then mix that with I've had this entrepreneurial spirit, this desire to create good, sustainable business uh, forever. That one I may have been born with a little bit. <laughs> I've had to exercise it a little bit. Uh, but I realized, hey, uh, we can combine this social effort uh, with good business and create a social venture, a give back company. Uh, we always say we're not doing anything revolutionary, but we're trying to do it really well and really transparent. And so Callion's a give back natural soy candle brand that on a monthly basis donates 5% of our revenue, as in what the business you do with us, the candles you buy from us, we're donating 5% of that to our trusted, vetted, strategic, anti-trafficking nonprofit, Traffic 911, based in Addison, Texas. They're servicing the North Texas area. As we grow, we hope to fund operations all over the U.S. Uh, so that you can see impact in your local community because of the candles you're buying from Callion. And you are helping people in our community right here, which we will get into because 
I think we are all becoming aware that human trafficking in the U.S. alone has been increasing, not dwindling. Uh, and I didn't realize that it's literally in Texas, too, like literally in Arlington, the DFW area, which I thought was crazy. Um, you know, you kind of imagine it's in the U.S., but it's over there. It's in that side of the U.S. <laughs> yeah, we got to the idea backyard. that it's, uh, <laughs> you know, not just overseas, it's here. Yeah. But then uh, you got to you got to really bring it home yeah. uh, here in Texas, especially we're number two is California and Texas are really big hotspots for trafficking activity. Um, but uh, North Texas it is alive and well. Hundreds of survivors um, are, are coming in contact or our nonprofit is coming in contact with hundreds of survivors on a yearly basis. And that's just one nonprofit in one region of Texas. And so uh, there's a lot of people uh, that need uh, people that care about them, uh, that say, hey, I see you trafficking victim and I want to do something to get you out of that situation. Uh, and not just get you out of the situation, that's um, you know like half the battle sometimes. It's the restoration effort and the um, showcasing to that person that, hey, people do care about you and you don't have to go back into that world because uh, that happens too. Um, and there's a lot of psychological um, terror and connections in with your trafficker. And so um, there's that pull back into that world a lot of times. Um, this, these are stories that our, our nonprofit Trafficking Now One has shared with us. And it's so sad to see somebody go back into that world even after they're rescued or they find freedom. And so our uh, Traffic Now One is specifically working on building trust-based relationships with those survivors to show them, hey, someone's in your corner fighting for you. Someone's always going to be there for you through uh, court dates, uh, through baby showers, through getting your GED or getting your college education, a place to live. What do they do for the survivors? Is it they identify survivors or it's after the survivors have been identified? Where do they come in to help? For sure. It is a response effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when law enforcement or hospital staff come in contact with a survivor of trafficking, uh, they are called day or night. They have a response team that responds within 60 minutes. And they go and they just meet. And the, old, the ultimate goal is to create a relationship there. But on that initial one, it's, hey, I've got a bag of goodies for you. I've got a, a blanket. I've got some necessities, food and toiletries. And then from there, it's saying, hey, I'm going to be here for you. Uh, through this entire healing journey. And so they like to describe themselves as like the mortar between the bricks. And so you have like your counselor here, you've got your schooling here, your court dates, the lawyers, all of that. And they're, they fill in between all of that and say, hey, I'm your person. Like, let's go get lunch. Let's talk through this. Or, hey, I'm going to be there at your court date supporting you. And it's really that relationship is what keeps them um, on the journey to healing versus reverting back. Now, it doesn't always happen. It's not a beautiful story, yeah. right? A lot of drama, a lot yeah. of heartache through that. Sometimes steps back, backwards, forwards. Uh, but it's definitely tangible work that's worth it and that's needed desperately. How did you first become aware of the human trafficking issue and what first I think it was a culmination of things that led you down this path. Um, And I saw that one of them was, you weren't always going to help neighbors right here. You were going to do something in the Congo. (laughs) You did your research. Where does that exist? That's somewhere out there on the internet. Uh, Yes. So definitely have been very idealistic throughout my life. Still am, because you got to be some, at least in your younger years. And a buddy of mine, um, Tyler, and I in college started this... um, t-shirt give back company called Raising Justice. 
the premise that led to even that, so let me back up further to the Congo story. Mm-hmm. We wanted, we were like, we've got to do something about trafficking. And I was, I had these peace studies courses in college that I was going through and they let me know of all this um, systematic injustice happening in Congo and other areas of Africa. I mean, there's just so many Right. <laughs> Human beings are just depraved sometimes, and there's so many issues going on. And so one issue specifically in Congo that I was learned about is there um, was areas where there is no law enforcement, at least um, non-corrupt law enforcement. Right. And so it's just uh, anarchy there. And, and when, that, when there's not law and order, typically uh, there is abuse of the vulnerable. Yeah. And and so our idea was like, what if we just started our own police force and like went to Congo and helped provide some law and order? Obviously, that there's a lot of flaws in that <laughs> thinking. <laughs> Americans creating law enforcement to go into Congo, it's just it's not good, guys. So this is college mind, Jacob. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think in college and you know in our younger years, that's when we have these grand ideas, and there's nothing wrong with that because clearly you were on the right track. That that really led down to a very simplistic uh, idea of let's sell T-shirts and donate half of our profits to nonprofits that are fighting uh, systematic uh, injustice, uh, specifically in the trafficking um, field all over the the world. And so it was a, very global, and we ended up donating, I think, about a thousand bucks. So it was cool. It, we learned a lot of like what not to do. Yeah, that led you down to candles. What was it about candles? So candles actually got brainstormed and um, or come, came up to mind in uh, or why we were doing raising justice. So we realized that T-shirts weren't going to be the future of raising justice. We need something that uh, people can get a little bit more excited about, uh, Mm -hmm. that they're purchasing more regularly, that they're very familiar with, that they could afford, uh, that we could manufacture ourselves so we know all the ethics and uh, materials that are going behind the manufacturing and the finished good. And so uh, that was like 2015 or something. uh, My buddy and I met with this couple and we were just throwing ideas out there, and candles got mentioned. And from that day, even as Raising Justice faded away, my buddy and I both agreed that we should let it rest, <laughs> lay, it, lay it to bed, uh, and never touch it again. No, it wasn't that bad. Um, but candles kept kind of reverberating through my mind. of like, man, that's a really good product. There's a lot of – it fits all the, all the reasoning we wanted behind a product – um, and there's some metaphorical ties to bringing light to dark world, shining light on an issue. Yeah. Uh, that's one of our taglines is bringing light to a dark world because uh, we want to shed that light on it. And so I was like, man, I couldn't get out of my head. Like that could actually work. If we figured out the give back model to be a little bit more sustainable, not half of our profits, it's kind of a confusing term anyways. How do you calculate your profits? What's the di- dollars? Uh, and so just kind of refine that process over the next couple of years and then I uh, decided to go for it. Uh, a buddy really encouraged me, like, if you've been thinking about it, you think it'll work, Jacob, just go do it. And so that's what I did. I said, we're going to start a social venture around the issue of human trafficking and candles. And here we are today. It's a very similar mindset to So Good because we wanted, there's such a big issue of sustainability and supporting our communities and supporting survivors of human trafficking. For such a big issue, what can the everyday person do? If you're not in law enforcement, if you're not in political positions, uh, right. how can you make a difference? And we want it to be everyday things, something as little as a snack you buy, a drink you buy, the stories you share on a podcast. And 
you guys have a very similar mentality of everyday products, just something as small as buying a candle can go a long way to helping. And how much have you donated today to date? Yes. So as of this last month, we've uh, reached over $210,000. So round of applause, everybody. Yes, Yes, we are super proud of that. Uh, It shows that small actions um, add up. And so you buying those two candles over the last five years uh, adds up. And collectively, we're able to um, start donating some really exciting numbers. And the numbers will only uh, continue to compound quicker. Like last year, we donated $96,000. This year, we hope to do a lot more than that. And it's more than just dollars. So the dollars will add up. One day we'll be talking and be like, we donated $10 million. And it'll be really cool because it's a number and it gets bigger, uh, but we always want to highlight the, the more important fact of like, okay, this is, these are dollars, but see how this directly equates to lives being changed, uh, to trafficking survivors, finding freedom, uh, not just like from their trafficker, but in life, uh, psychologically, spiritually, um, so they can live life to the fullest and experience joy and peace while they're here on earth. So what are the lessons that you've learned? You started a give back model. How did that shape and evolve over time? How did you start? I'm sure there were growing pains in the beginning and I'm sure investors or people around you are like, okay, you're, how much are you donating from your, <laughs> from what you're making? Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, so many. And I see the pain on the face. Yeah. <laughs> He's taken e- back. Every to other founder, place. you guys you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it's a constant struggle. When you're purpose driven, mission driven, it's a constant struggle of how do you make money? <laughs> yes, there Keep is still that a double money. bottom line. <laughs> pay, you know, pay your employees because that's kind of important. Uh, and then we're also a public company. So there's that component as well. So, yeah, what what did that look like for you? Yes, uh, we're still um, a very private company. Um, we have investors, but we thankfully don't have to answer to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing off our backs. And... Um, I guess I will start with just the owners and the investors behind this brand are all people that are very um, spiritually focused and social impact focused. Yeah. And so we're all aligned that, hey, the ultimate win for Callion is, uh, it, it's relatively simple, is donating the maximum dollars in a strategic manner to, nice. to strategic nonprofits that we trust. Uh, but right under that <laughs> is, hey, we've got to be sustainable. Yeah. And for sure, we've got to take care of all our employees because uh, we care about that too. There, there's a lot of like um, big reasons kind exists. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, do something about trafficking. Uh, but then under that, there's a lot of other things of, hey, we want to be a sustainable company. We want to be a company where employees are, are cherished and loved and shown grace. And, um, and it's a, a family here. And all towards a common goal. And so we've got a lot of other things that we've got to take care of. Yeah. And ultimately, we've got to provide a return to investors. We have that burden, of course. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a balancing act. So what that looks like practically at the very beginning of Callion, uh, I thought we could donate 15% of our revenue, one five. Uh, and be like super competitively priced. Right. So that, that's the other like strategic thing here is we're trying our best to be really competitively priced yeah. along with the give back model. Yeah. A lot of things, it's you can't just have that right. just because you want it. That's something that the listeners might 
you know, not understand, especially when you're coming in from, uh, when you have a really saturated space, like the good for you snack space, everyone's got a good for you snack these days. Everyone's got a candle. (laughs) Have you heard of any candles? (laughs) Uh, so in order to really stand out in such a saturated market, you have to be competitively priced. And especially when you have a give back model, that takes a lot of strategy to make sure that you can, you can play in this field. Exactly. And, and actually be profitable. Right. And that's uh, what we've been figuring out for the last five years. And it is still uh, a big pain point to this day, mm-hmm. uh, but we're on the right track and uh, consumers are, are relating to the brand um, more and more because we're transparent, um, yeah. because we're down to earth people, and we're like, "Hey, here's our product. Here's how it's made. Here's what's in it, and this is the impact yeah you're doing." And so we try to keep it very uh, simple, transparent, so that it's easily understood and mm-hmm. easily trusted. Yeah. And so I think that's what's leading us to see some success, even though we're in an extremely crowded market. Why soy candles? So soy, uh, when I was first just tinkering around with candles and making them in the kitchen, right? Uh, you read all the blog posts and are all like <laughs> soy. They just scream soy at you. <laughs> Gosh darn it. All these, screaming. All these stay-at-home moms <laughs> making their candles. <laughs> and what's attractive about soy wax, the good side to it and why we are still 100% soy wax to this day, is uh, the clean burning, more sustainable side of it. So it's made from soybeans, uh, which is a lot more renewable. So you than- can eat it. <laughs> no. It's high in protein. I'm going to repeat that again. <laughs> it, uh, soybean Our lawyers to, are telling us no. <laughs> soybean to soy wax, uh, there's a lot of process that has to go into that. Eat soybeans and eat so good. Eat so good's uh, cool beans. Yes. Snacks. <laughs> Smell Italian soybean candles. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> there's debate and you can read one blog post that says a paraffin mm-hmm. candle made from a known candle brand is perfectly fine. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll see some that say, are you trying to kill yourself? <laughs> it's like really drastic. And so yeah. we're trying to come in and like understand the market, understand ingredients, really understand what they're doing. Yeah. And so for us, clean burning is 100% soy wax. Um, that's uh, not going to produce as much much soot yeah. and a, a, as much fumes into the air. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really the on, on soy versus paraffin side, the best I can do. But what we do is have the cleanest burning fragrant candle experience um, that you can assemble together because there's a lot of different choices out there, the type of wax, type of fragrances, and type of wicks. Yeah. So we've tried to blend it all together say, hey, this is safe to burn in your home. Mm-hmm. And it's actually going to be a candle that smells up your room, which is what people want. Now I know more about candles and seeing how you guys do it from step A all the way to Z. Uh, it's really cool what you're doing here. Why Callion? Why is that the name? Uh, Callion is a combination of California and my mother's name, Vivian. Aww. So there, uh, I worked in a candy shop in California for a summer. Marini's Candies made saltwater taffy for mm. a whole summer. It was one of the best summers of my life. <laughs> On the way home from that, I had this idea that, hey, I had to start this chocolate dipping business. And through that business or that idea for the business, I also wanted to support my mom, who's a single mom oh. and uh, is just a, a saint, <laughs> is the best way to describe her. And so I wanted to support her. And so that was kind of the thinking behind that business of like, hey, those are two big uh, core things that reasons why I'm trying to start this chocolate dipping business. But that faded away, like yeah. a lot of my business ideas. Uh-huh. <laughs> On the candle 
concept, uh, Callion candles just uh, flowed really nicely. I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, there's still a lot of that part of my life flowed into uh, this candle idea. And so I decided to transfer that name over to the the candle business and then change it to Wax Co. Uh, simply because we thought it sounded cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Callion Wax Co. Uh, we do have hopes to do other products that are wax-based in the future too. So Very that's another cool. little plug. You heard it here first. Maybe not. It's okay. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, let's just say yeah. here first. First time ever. Uh, the exclusive here. It's so good. Um, did you always have an entrepreneurial spirit growing up? What was kind of that spark and why do you think you're drawn to that? So I think I've always had it. I was um, kind of classic case of selling stuff when you're young. Yeah. I see that in a lot of entrepreneurs are selling Starburst on the school bus. Mm-hmm. Um, selling, I made this like chop. Do you have a little Starburst just, black market on the school bus? <laughs> I did, 10 cents a piece. <laughs> and uh, I made this like chocolate goo for a school project once yeah. and some people liked it. So I started just selling this to my classmates. Um, got shut down by the teachers because I was selling a food item to other <laughs> students. You guys know about that. Um, you didn't have your permits? I did not have my permits mm. at that point. And I was being a little secretive about it. I'll okay. admit. I was hiding it in the desk, taking the money. It was only a 30% mark <laughs> to each. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, selling cookies. I just always selling stuff and thinking of business has been from a young age. Yeah. Through your work with Traffic 911 and through all the other research that you've done through Callion, can you tell us more about human trafficking in the U.S., in our backyard here in DFW area? How does one become a victim of this? For sure. So I, I still don't claim to be an expert, um, yeah. but I, I've learned a few things over the years. Uh, thankfully, a, a lot through our partner nonprofit that really is the the boots on the ground. I mean, they're um, directly involved with this every day um, and a lot of night, nights too, really 24-7. And the the biggest thing that I, I like to share with people is uh, the misnomer that the um, forceful kidnapping is happening, like that, or that's how it happens. Uh, like that's, that's how what it always I happens. had. Is that a misconception that people have? Is human is. trafficking is you get stolen out of your bed in the middle of the night? Exactly, which um, I'm sure happens, right? Uh, to some degree, but the more common story is this. This is what we hear from Traffic 911. It is more of manipulation uh, versus a physical force. And so it starts with someone being vulnerable, and that could look like someone who's being abused at home, uh, someone that is being abused at school, um, is homeless, or parents are not being parents. Um, they're addicted to drugs, or they're in some other world, they're distant. And so it leaves a, a young person feeling like nobody accepts me, nobody loves me. And so they get in this mindset, um, rightfully so. I mean, if you're um, constantly bombarded with abuse, your self-esteem is low, right? And then comes along uh, somebody through social media a lot, of um, starting conversation and slowly growing this manipulative relationship of, hey, like, I, I love you and, hey, here's some gifts for you. And hey, um, like let's be boyfriend and girlfriend. And with someone that's young, um, that's in, with that self esteem, it's like a recipe for disaster. Like you looking at it from afar, you're like, oh no, don't go there. You're going there. Stop. And eventually, what it turns into is the trafficker is like, hey, if you love me, will you just do this quick thing? You know, with my friend over here, like you, you love me, right? So do this and don't tell anybody. And then it progresses 
And then it turns into like, hey, if you leave, I'll harm your family or I'll do some something else that like is really psychologically like I have no choice but to stay with this person and do the things he or she is asking me to do. Uh, so it's a really sad story of manipulation. In my research of human trafficking, uh, there are a lot of parallels between the psychology that we're learning about, between inducting someone into a cult, into terrorist organizations, and into human trafficking as well. The psychology methods behind it is identifying vulnerable communities and then love bombing them, giving them uh, a lot of affirmation, a lot of feelings of self-worth and value to this community. Mm. Come here. This is why we want you. You are so amazing. You might have been abused. You might have been neglected. You might be an outsider in your community. Here, you're welcomed. And then once that person's drawn in, they switch over to threats and you're hooked and uh, you feel that there's no way to get out. And uh, it's really scary. And it's so much more complicated, which is why people should really learn more about uh, how to identify because a lot of people think it's easy to tell if someone's being held against their will, Hmm. Um, but it's not. It's a really complex issue and one that is uh, deserving of a lot more focus. Absolutely. Uh, Trafficking is... It's not a black and white issue. Um, it's black and white in the idea that, hey, we should we all agree that it's bad. Right. <laughs> it's not like a, another more debatable social or political issue. Right. Um, but there's a lot that goes into it. And it, honestly, for an everyday person, this is what I'm really passionate about is, hey, we're not all psychologists um, mm-hmm. or we're not all like we don't all have the time to dive in of like why exactly is this happening in this specific area um, but we care about it. And so there's like this right. disconnect. We have good intentions. We want to do something about it, but we are not psychologists and we don't have the time to deep dive into this, this issue because we have lives and we have other social issues we're really um, deep into. And so that's why I, I feel really passionate about like, hey, how do we break that disconnect and give people these simple little action steps that um, while they're in their day shopping for a, a home good item or looking for a healthy snack? Yeah. Uh, things of that nature. Um, but you're right to go into the psychology about it. And I would encourage people take the time to do that and understand the issue a little bit more in depth and not just write it off like the taken movie of like, um, you know, people are being kidnapped and Liam Neeson comes in and kills people. And <laughs> it, it's a lot more in depth than that. A lot, a lot more, um, different. Are you the Liam Neeson of candles? <laughs> and to be compared with Liam Neeson is a dream. <laughs> Uh, definitely it's a like fan I never boy, that thought guy. that that's where, where my life would be headed. I would, I would love that. If we want to coin that, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> How many scents do you have? We have 15 uh, regular fragrances and then three limited edition fragrances okay. that um, come available at different times during the year. So we've got a handful of different product lines. All of them, the piece of glass is not meant to be thrown away. Um, use it to, you can use them as drinking tumblers, as planters, as makeup brush holders, anything you can use a glass for. Go to their YouTube <laughs> to find out how you can reuse it. Yeah, we, we try to encourage you. Uh, so what is your favorite scent? So I, I jokingly say my favorite scent is your favorite scent. There are some fragrances, you know, as if you're dealing with them for five years, you can get tired of them, yeah. candidly. But there's some fragrances that are just like, there's no way I'll ever get tired of that. And that's our Vetiver Tonka, mm. uh, which is very what is, smooth. Is that one word? Vetiver 
and Tonka. Tonka. We put a plus okay. sign. So we're like vetiver plus Tonka. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's got some spice. It's got some vanilla, which is the Tonka. Tonka is like yeah. a vanilla type fragrance. Really smooth. What were some of the biggest growing pains when you were starting Callion? Because you've had no experience before in making candles. Right. So what was that like, <laughs> learning how to do that? Yeah, I, I think we, we learned how anybody learns of a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And those first candles I made on my mom's stove did not turn out well. They, they actually didn't work. I always joke, like it, it didn't not just <laughs> smell. There were so many holes <laughs> underneath the surface of the wax, it burnt out. It didn't even burn. <gasps> So, so we went from there. you started this in your mom's house, right? Yes. Uh, it started there, and we were there until um, about two years ago, almost to date now. Um, so we took over pretty much the whole house, a shed out back, and annoyed the neighborhood with freight trucks coming in and us oh, having to wow. offload uh, and drive up pallets up the driveway, <laughs> all sorts of fun stuff. Was she supportive? The, uh, extremely to be able to to let her or to let us use her entire house at the end. She, she's like, this started out great. I thought it would, you <laughs> this know, is cool. is my be like one of those name. other ideas that would just die out after a couple months. Two years later, she's like, mm, I have nowhere to put my stuff. Uh, sir, <laughs> Jacob, uh, time to move I out. Hate, I hate to admit <laughs> this, but we even took over uh, some of her bedroom. No. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Actually, scratch that out. I don't want people to know that. What, <laughs> what <laughs> no, a saint. She she would. That's how wonderful she she is. She believed in the mission. Um, I think in the back of a lot of people's minds, I'm actually people are being more candid with me mm-hmm. now that it's starting to work. Yeah. But most people thought this was another kind of chocolate company. Like, yeah. oh, Jacob's into candles now for some reason. I wonder. I'm interested to see how long that lasts. And now I get to like kind of put in their faces. We're still like we're a startup, <laughs> so we still think we could die anytime. You know, you got to. Um, continue to push aggressively forward. But now that's working a little bit, I'm like, hey, it's actually working, sucker. <laughs> Remember what you told me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Remember what no, you didn't say. Yeah, you didn't Remember say. Remember that look in your thinking. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I can never claim, like, I really have not had people say, that's not going to work, uh, to my face anyways. Mm. Um, I've had so many supportive people. So all on the same day, you quit your job. And did you tell your now wife... Before or after you proposed that you quit your job? <laughs> uh, she was aware of the whole whole thing. So we were dating. She was for, like, mm, on second thoughts, <laughs> we're going to have a long engagement to see if this works <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> right? Uh, that's the thing. And that's why I bring this up. I, as far as supportive people, my wife has just been that foundational support. Because we were dating um, even when the first idea of like, oh, candles, that might yeah. work. So she has really been with me since... I was just mulling over the idea mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of years or I forget the exact timeline and uh, and then was willing to marry me and say yes when I could not promise any financial stability or like even time stability because uh, yeah. you guys know how much time, energy and just mental energy it takes to, to start a brand, start a company. And so uh, I am very thankful for all the support that's been around uh, for my wife, my mother, and all the Italian people, all our partners. Like I could, it's like a thank you speech, you know, that yeah. goes on too long. Thank mine, you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> my, mine would go way too long. They'd be like booing me <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> you see the countdown. Uh, why do you think Callion was of all the ideas that you've had, why it's the one that stuck and worked out? Hmm. Hopefully. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I have faith in you guys. That's right. 
I, I have to um, say there's got to be some sovereign hand of God in this because if you look <laughs> at it objectively, we're going into an extremely crowded market. Yeah. Objectively, it generally shouldn't work yeah. if you think about it. And so we are uh, ourselves in just being really transparent, being really hardworking, being as innovative as possible, and serving our customers with excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really, honestly, is one of the biggest ones just operationally. Um, we do business really well. And in a way that customers, when they engage with us, they know what to expect. They know the product's going to be great. They know the product's going to get to them in a, a reasonable amount of time. Sometimes we surprise them with how fast. Um, and then, most importantly, we know if something goes wrong, Callion will take care of it. Where are you guys headed? We are headed to a store near you. Okay. It's probably the most concise um, <laughs> direction for Callion. Uh, we are getting more and more, of course, strategic and fine-tuned in what direction we're heading. And so uh, I would encourage you to go to our website and see if there is a store near you that um, is stocking our products. Uh, we're in hundreds of boutique, independent store locations. Um, and Whole Foods. The, all over the U.S. You saw my thunder. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, and then Whole Foods. Uh, right now, uh, that's how we're initially connected here. It, in the Southwest region, which is Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Oklahoma. Um, but uh, stay tuned with us because uh, we hope uh, um, to be in a lot more stores soon. And online, right? Online, of course. Absolutely. Through our website, callionwaxco.com. Mm-hmm. And if you're in the Arlington, Texas area or you want to travel to us, we've got a beautiful storefront uh, where you can see how we're making the product and, of course, uh, peruse all our beautiful fragrances. Awesome. I love to end interviews on a little toast. So love it. let's grab yes. our smoothies. I've got the berry I godmother. Love, this all the way. Um, love it. It's uh, so I have the chai life smoothie. You have the berry godmother smoothie, Jacob. I like to end on asking for your imparting words. Uh, what advice and life lessons can you give to listeners on how? They can sow good in their communities. Mm. So my faith is just such an important part of me. It's who I am. And so I always lean towards that to pursue God. He loves you and he's there for you, um, even when you may not feel that. But pursue him and he's there for you. Um, He's pursuing you uh, so you guys can meet. And on the non-spiritual side, I would say uh, take time to uh, take just a little bit of time uh, to really um, understand at least the basics of social issues. So you can speak about them in a um, not just educated way, but in a correct way. As we talked about human trafficking, there's misnomers there. And when we share the misnomers, it does damage. Yeah. Um, And so just a little education. Hopefully this has been educational for you and we set you off on a good foot, but that'd be a big encouragement. Everybody, go find Callion Wax, hopefully in stores everywhere soon or online. All right, cheers. Cheers. Oh, yeah. So we're going to down the whole thing? Let's yeah, do it. Here we go. Like- <laughs> 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 what are we going to do?